This is Hashtag History, episode 61. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. Welcome. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Welcome back to a brand spanking new season of Hashtag History. We are already on to our seventh season. We're old. We're so old. <laughs> and we're so, so excited to continue on this journey with you all. You have been amazing. Yes. While we were on our break, you may have heard us on various other podcasts as guests, including... We were on Women Who Sarcast. The Dialogue Podcast. We joined Local Lou for a deep dive into the Dakota War of 1862. We're also on Murder History Girls. And then we also did uh, Mimosa Sisterhood. We've been on a lot. Yeah. We've done a lot. Wow. So we've been busy, really less of a break and more like a working sabbatical. <laughs> working while on vacation. Yeah. 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 Like no, checking, checking, checking our phones email. while we're sitting on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Rachel, what else have we been up to? Um, I mean, I've been up to the same things you've been up to. Yeah. We do this together. But also during our season break, another thing that we did was like really diving into our Patreon more. So just for those that don't know, for $1 a month, you can go support us over on Patreon and your donation goes directly to our books and booze supply, which helps us fund this podcast with lots of research and lots of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And as a huge thank you for supporting us, we always give a shout out on Instagram. We send you cards and stickers. And then we post all kinds of behind the scenes stuff on our Patreon that we don't necessarily always post on our social media. Yeah, it's a fun time. Over it there. is. Yeah, it's really fun. So we're so excited to be kicking off season seven. And you longtime listeners know what that means for us. Mm -hmm. That means it's my takeover episode. For any newcomers, Rachel is usually our research gal, and I usually prepare the cocktails. Those are our roles. Yeah, but mm -hmm. on our season openers, we reverse roles, which leaves us both, I think, feeling slightly uncomfortable and inadequate. One million percent, yes. <laughs> okay. Being on this side of the mic, I like it, but it, it's different. Yeah, it's very different. A little uncomfy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And for this season's opener, I think my topic will actually surprise some of you, longtime listeners. Usually my episodes are inspired by whatever historical drama TV series I'm currently overly invested in at yeah. the time. Like, for instance, Outlander inspired the Jacobite Rebellion episode, or when I watched The Great, my next episode was Catherine the Great. I'm surprised we're not doing a The Crown. Oh, yeah. That's very I, relevant right mm, now. You're right. You're right. Um, so we're not diving into Queen Elizabeth? Or no. No, that's too too big. Too big okay. for a single episode. I don't think I could handle that. Got it. Also, okay. I don't want to be on anyone's watch list other than our FBI girls. <laughs> other than that one, we don't want to be on the British monarchs also, their no. watch list as well. Yeah, just the US. <laughs> keep, keep, keep it, <laughs> keep keep it, it at home. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know me at all, you know my interests lie in more European or world history subject matter rather than American. Mm -hmm. But I'm breaking all my rules today and we're going to focus instead on an American historical event. How do you feel about this? I feel good. I know. I feel good. I feel at home. <laughs> I feel in my element. Welcome. Thank you for joining. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. Today, I'm going to be focusing on drum roll. <laughs> The San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Mm -hmm. This infamous disaster struck the coast of Northern California on an early April morning in 1906 with an estimated magnitude of 7.9 mm. and was felt as far north as Eureka, California. Some even say as far north as Oregon. Wow. And as far south as Salinas, California, sparking devastating fires and causing over 3,000 <gasps> deaths. Oh. For those of you who have zero context or understanding of what that magnitude number means, don't worry. 
Neither did I really before my research. (laughs) But we will learn together a little more than I ever thought I would know about seismic activity and earthquake magnitudes. It really took me back to like middle school, like geography, geology. Geology. Yeah. Wow. Haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to do the seismic magnitude stuff before moving on to the fun stuff like death tolls and destruction (laughs) percentages. But before we do any of that, I think it's time for our cocktail. Yay! I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. So like Leah said, we switch up roles for the first episode of every season, and I take over the cocktail component for those episodes. Well, I wanted to really switch things up this time mm-hmm. because here we are. Mm-hmm. It's March 2021. Yeah, it's when been a full are, year. Yeah, it's been a year. And I mean, it's been... It's been a year. It's been a year. It's been. <laughs> and as we all very, very well recall, it was March 2020 when the whole world went to shit. Yeah. In the last year of the pandemic, I've done many things to kill the time while staying at home, one of which is watching and rewatching endless episodes of The Great British Bake Off. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. how I've been productive this last year. Not Catfish? <laughs> there was, we finished it. Oh, you finished all of Catfish. I have finished all of Catfish and rewatched all of Catfish. So that's, yeah, moved on. Moved British, on. British. Mm-hmm. British. British Bake Off. Yeah. The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> That's a shortener. That's sure, yeah, that was, that was the way. Inspired by the show and the contestants that always include booze and their delicious treats, mm. I decided to shake things up with this week's cocktail, and I made a cake <laughs> instead of a cocktail. I'm so excited. But it's a boozy cake filled, truly filled, with Bailey's Irish cream liqueur. Yeah. To fit with this week's theme about the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, we are trying today the Bailey's Earthquake Cake. Okay. So I won't go into all the details about ingredients. Y'all don't need to know like how many eggs I put it in. You don't think they're going to bake a cake along with us? If you would like to, you can find this on (laughs) omgchocolatedesserts.com. But to quickly sum up basically what this cake includes, Mm -hmm. it's chocolate fudge, vanilla pudding. Mm. We've got lots of Bailey's Irish cream. And then, like I said, your normal things like eggs, vegetable oil, vanilla, those sorts of things. And then you cover it with this like cream cheese. It's not really frosting because you bake it on it. It's like a crumble. Yes. So it's like cream cheese that has a lot of cream cheese, like literally a lot of cream cheese, Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of powdered sugar, Mm. two and a half cups of powdered sugar, and then also a lot of Bailey's Irish cream. In total, this cake took probably about an hour to make between prep time, baking time, and cooling time. I definitely felt like a contestant on the Great British Bake Off because I was like stressing, watching my cake baking in the oven like it was my little baby. I was checking on it like every 60 and seconds. And you, if you open the oven to look at it, did pe- I, someone yell at you like, don't open the oven? Ruined, ruined the whole thing. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> Ready? No. Cheers. Yes. Oh my God, cheers. It is so rich. You're right. Um, but I'm still going to finish it all. Yes, I'm going to finish it all, too. You don't taste the Baileys very much, huh? Um, I do more in the frosting than in the cake itself. Okay. It's in both. Oh, my God. It's really good, though. But I'm as- glad you did this since I didn't eat lunch. I didn't either. <laughs> as I told Leah, so I did have to, of course, like, 
lick the batter and stuff when I was making it. It's very rich. And so if you do make this cake, I would just say like tread lightly. I have gotten us very, very large slices of the and cake. I, I'm going to eat it all. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I have zero self-control. Then I'm going to be honest with you. Your stomach's going to hurt in like 20 minutes. That's all. I don't know if you know my stomach very well. <laughs> it's like been through a lot. And just a little piece of cake isn't going to do much for it. Like, okay. okay. I'm just. You just can't say I didn't warn you. Okay. All right. But yeah. I mean, what would you, what's your rating? Mm, for creativeness, for taste, for everything, 10 out of 10. Do you think I would get the greatest British Bake Off Award? I don't know. <laughs> wow. No, no. Th- th- this is really flipping good. I just know that they're like borderline professionals <laughs> so i don't know and this was what the first people, cake i've made this year you know i feel like they're they're um they judge a lot harsher than i would ever well thank you for that oh yeah you're welcome i might have to take a couple breaks to finish it yeah mm. okay you ready uh, i said i said that we should both tread lightly we both ate at least three quarters of it yeah. in two minutes mm-hmm. yeah so thank you you're welcome that was a good, healthy lunch that we just had. <laughs> right. So, moving on. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake has always been on my periphery of knowledge. Being only two hours away from San Francisco, we definitely live in the affected area of this earthquake. And I have definitely seen the cultural effects of this event in our area and in the Bay Area, but I didn't know a ton of the details. How about you? Same. I think exactly the same, having grown up. Literally, we're only, what do you say, two hours or whatever yeah. from San Francisco mm-hmm. um, on a good day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on a good traffic day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also it's just been on the periphery of my knowledge. And then I also, my only other reference to it is because of the Winchester Mystery House. We did an episode about that, I think, season two. Yeah, two maybe? or three. And it has some relevance in this because the earthquake was felt in San Jose where the Winchester Mystery House is. And she... Sarah Winchester was stuck in one of the rooms because of the earthquake Mm -hmm. and had to be like broken out of the room. She was so traumatized that she never again would go in that room. Like went in that room. Mm -hmm. She refurbished what she had to for like foundation and structure. And didn't we see a picture of the damage? Yeah. And the damage from it meant that like now when you go visit the Winchester house, it's four stories tall, which is huge. It's gigantic, but it used to be seven stories. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. But the four stories is because of the earthquake. So that's my other reference. Otherwise, I know nothing. Okay. Well, buckle up. I'm I'm ready. It may surprise people not living in California because I feel like there is a weird kind of stereotype or like trope that us Californians live with earthquakes like every day. Yeah. But to be honest, I have personally only felt one earthquake in my entire life. Yeah. And I am getting close to 30 years old. (laughs) So they aren't that common. And the ones that do occur often are so small that most people don't even like register that they're happening. Yes. The only one that I know I had family that felt it, I was sleeping during it. So, and they like, they were like, that was kind of weird. And then they got like a KCRA notification, like, earthquake like oh okay oh yeah no the only one i remember i was still living at home i think it was like early years of college and 
I felt it and like I go and I run into the room that my parents are at and I'm like excited because I've never felt an earthquake yeah. and it's not bad enough that it like it, it was yeah. there was any damage or anything and I'm like smiling and laughing and my mom was like stop it <laughs> <laughs> she was like kind of freaking out and I was just like sitting there like laughing like oh my god that's funny yeah um so anyways that is not the case for the 1906 earthquake Mm. and part of me thinks this earthquake is the reason why so many people equate california and california earthquakes with fear disaster death and so on it was devastating so what happened yeah why has an earthquake left such a mark on california and really u.s culture Mm -hmm. okay This is the section of the episode that is going to get a little technical. So buckle up and put on your geological seismic hat, okay? I don't don't even think I have one of those. No. (laughs) (laughs) Who who would? (laughs) Mine's never been used, so I don't think I have one. Okay. The San Andreas Fault is a continental transform fault that forms part of the tectonic boundaries between the Pacific Plate and the North American Plate. Mm -hmm. It is what is considered a strike-slip fault line characterized by what they call lateral motion. So in layman's terms, the Western or Pacific Plate moves northward, rubbing and bumping against the Eastern North American Plate. The San Andreas runs almost the entire length of California from the Salton Sea, which is inland of L.A., all the way up to Cape Mendocino, which is near Eureka, California, or almost to the border of California and Oregon. Mm -hmm. This is a distance of 810 miles or uh, 1,300 kilometers. So California is big. And it ran, runs almost the entire length of California. Wow. Okay, I just learned more than I learned in third grade geology. <laughs> All right. It should be noted that the 1906 earthquake actually preceded the development of the Richter earthquake magnitude scale by three decades. So a lot of the seismic data we do have is estimated and it's not necessarily accurate. That is really interesting. Mm-hmm. There was a long period of small, uneventful earthquakes in the decades leading up to the 1906 quake, which is widely accepted now to be the precursory activity to the main slip. And when I was researching and reading that, I was like, oh, that's probably what we're in right now is all the precursory activity leading up to what's going to be a big ass thing. That makes me feel great. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Great. Because we're like right on the fault, right? I think it runs between us and San Francisco. I'm going to eat my cake. Yeah. Okay. It's like how, imagine like how your tummy might grumble quietly a bit here, a bit there when you're hungry before what I like to refer to as the (laughs) earth shattering grumble occurs when my neighbors are like texting me like, did you hear something? Are you okay? And it only never happens when you're sitting in like you're doing your finals and it's dead quiet. Like a movie theater right when it's silent, like between previews or something. Yeah, I actually... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I actually ha- I was pulling from a personal reference with that like finals example and I remember it so it happened it's super quiet in there obviously my stomach literally like there was a monster inside of me <laughs> and I remember just like I mean okay it's embarrassing um so I just did like a little like stomachs right like like kind of laughing yeah. and not a single person even gave me like a oh, like a, like an appreciative pity smile no like i would have like a little like <laughs> the fake smile the like yeah you, you all would have given that, you right? a fake smile not not a single one they literally were like bitch you interrupted my final <laughs> i didn't ask her to <laughs> my stomach didn't ask for that oh my gosh so yeah it's kind of like that 
the the main big earthquake is estimated to have had a magnitude of anywhere between 7.7 to 8.3 with the most widely accepted estimated magnitude being 7.9 to put that into perspective the deadly 8.9 magnitude earthquake in japan in 2011 i don't know if you remember that but it left more than 20,000 people dead or missing and generated a massive tsunami along the japanese coast and it triggered the world's biggest nuclear disaster since Chernobyl in 1986. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so that was an 8.9 and you can see how much damage it caused in even in today's world. So a 7.9 back before there was any type of oversight for like building codes and whatnot. You have you can imagine just how terrible that would have been. Wow. The 1906 earthquake was caused by an intense San Andreas fault slip or multiple slips taking place before and after the main impact stretching both northward and southward for a total of 296 miles. So that's the whole slip was 296 miles long. Oh, my God. And that's 476 kilometers for you people, um, you know, more progressed than the U.S. (laughs) Good way to phrase it, yes. (laughs) Reports as far north as Oregon and as far south as L.A. and then as far inland as Nevada came in stating that they felt an impact. Oh, my God. The main earthquake was so strong, it permanently shifted the course of the Salinas River further south near Monterey. So where the Salinas River exits right by Monterey, it wasn't there before. Oh, my God. That's crazy. And I don't, I, I feel like I just need to like mention here for anyone not from California, it's huge. Yeah. California is one of the largest states. It's ginormous. It's bigger than I think some European countries yes. are. It's big. And the entire state felt this. That is crazy. Like, here's a good perspective. We're considered in central California, northern central uh-huh. California. It takes us eight hours to drive to like LA or seven or eight hours to drive to like LA or Disneyland. So, and then it's like another five hours if you drive to Oregon. So driving 75 miles an hour from the top of California to the bottom, that's like a 10 plus hour drive. And they felt it all the way across the entire. That is insane. Yeah. Wow. It was believed for a long time that the epicenter of the shock was near a town called Olema, which is just north of the Golden Gate. But in the 1960s, it was proposed that it actually took place off the shore of San Francisco, northwest of the Golden Gate. There's still a debate about the exact location, but just know it was near San Francisco. So for those at the epicenter of the shock, there was a strong foreshock. And then about 20 seconds later, the main shock occurred and it lasted 42 seconds. That doesn't seem too long, probably. I mean, 42 seconds doesn't seem long to me, but just imagine your world quite literally crumbling around you. I think 42 seconds probably felt like a lifetime. And I think too, not knowing how much longer it was going to go on for. Yeah. You know, it just feels like, oh my God, it's my world going to continue to shake until I die. That was a perfect, like, leading up to my next statement because the main shock was then followed by a series of aftershocks. Right. Mostly small, with the biggest one being about 6.7 magnitude shock in Eureka a few weeks later. So it weeks went later. weeks later. So imagine having your world crumble around you. You're starting to kind of pick up the pieces. And then for weeks on end, there's all these little ones like living in fear and all these little ones keep happening. Oh my God. Like thinking of it on a like physical, literally 
physically picking up the pieces of your life yes. right but then also like the ptsd that i can only imagine these people experience yeah it's horrible wow for those in the city of San Francisco, mm -hmm. they also got the super cool experience of witnessing a tiny tsunami. Oh and, my God. And I, I mean tiny, it, the, which was caused by the earthquake. It was tiny. Okay. <laughs> because um, a local tsunami was recorded by a tide gauge at the San Francisco Presidio. The wave had an amplitude of approximately three inches. <laughs> And an approximate period of 40 to 45 minutes. I feel like a three-inch tsunami is kind of a joke, but I'm sure it didn't feel like it at the time. And again, not knowing, is it going to grow? Is this going to get bigger? Is, yeah. you know, these, is this ever going to end? Yes. So there's a ton more information on the intensity of the earthquake, info on like sedimentary causes and more intense theories of its epicenter. But I just, I, I couldn't. You couldn't. I, I couldn't. I still learned more than about geology that I have in my whole life. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to move on to discussing instead the carnage it left in its wake or quake. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's Women's History Month, and this year we want to shed light on a very important figure from history who you may not have heard of, Sappho. Who is Sappho, you ask? Sappho is the first woman in the European literary tradition, one of only a few poets we know from antiquity, and the OG lesbian, or rather, where the modern use of the word lesbian comes from. Introducing Sweet Bitter, an investigative podcast where we delve into the truth and controversy of Sappho, her life, the Isle of Lesbos, and her relevance today. Each episode, we take you through a fragment of Sappho's poetry, life, and legacy. And recently, we've taken an unexpected turn into a huge scandal involving Hobby Lobby, the Museum of the Bible, and an Oxford University papyrologist who fell so far from grace, he was recently arrested. If we've piqued your interest, as I'm sure we have, you can find Sweet Bitter on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As hinted at by its name, the majority of the damage was done to San Francisco and its surrounding Bay Area. At the time, before the earthquake, San Francisco was considered the ninth largest city in the U.S. with 400,000 residents. Small town. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's how many people live in my literal neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you can imagine the damage this disaster left behind. Before I go into too much detail, Rachel, I thought you could just speed through and describe a couple photos that I found online of the damage done to San Francisco. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm looking at the first picture, and at the first one, you don't see too much of the actual damage, like buildings falling down or anything, but I can just see this pillar of smoke in the foreground and i just have to address the fact that i mean there's a lot of people watching there's a whole group of men just like chilling in chairs on the sidewalk just watching so and the sidewalk is like in crumbles like there's a portion yeah, in the yeah, middle no, of, right. the, of the street that the it's just like rubble and then they're sitting just a couple feet away from that yeah. watching yeah <laughs> um oh okay i'm on to the second picture this one's really devastating. The only thing that remains intact is pretty much like the road that you can see some people traveling down. Everything else is in shambles. I can't even tell you what any of what I'm looking at. Yeah. Other than like literal buildings that just like the face of the building is still there, but, but then nothing the, yeah, else. Nothing else. Oh, okay. More of the same. One's the worst though. <laughs> yeah. So far that I've seen. And again, it's you truly just 
I don't even know what I'm looking at. I can see like the skeletons of buildings and just rumble. All rumble? Is that the rubble? Rubble. I'm like rumble does not sound rumble right. Rumbling matumbling. <laughs> uh, rubble all over the ground. Yeah. Okay, and last picture. Um, this one, the so rubble all over the ground. Mm-hmm. Buildings are still like sort of intact, mm-hmm. but they're all leaning against each other. They look like dominoes. Yeah. And there's this one house in the center. It's kind of a smaller one, and it definitely looks like it's about to be crushed by the the two leaning the, in the on it. T- yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. So according to an ABC interview of a survivor, he said he went out onto the street and it was just full of people praying, Mm. thinking it was the end of the world. Another survivor said he got a broken jaw, arm, and two broken legs just from the impact. Oh my God. Yeah. So at first, the death toll was estimated to be between 250 and 500, which to me would have actually been like a miracle based on the photos that we saw, but there wasn't an inch of the city that was left untouched. Mm. And now it's estimated over 3000 people died, most of which were in the city of San Francisco or nearby in the greater Bay area. That is so many deaths. Yeah. So there was obviously serious structural damage done to all of the buildings, thanks to the quake itself. But the bigger disaster wasn't directly caused by the earthquake, but by fires that ravaged the city subsequently. It is estimated that 90% of the damage reported was done by over 30 fires citywide, which destroyed approximately 490 city blocks. Oh, my God. Just a side note, I <laughs> I just saw a TikTok where someone from Europe didn't know what a block was. So, hi, I'm here to explain for those listening from outside the U.S. I'm sure most people know, but most of U.S. cities are like, on what we call a grid where it's just like straight lines are the streets make up straight lines. So like they're just crisscrossing and the span of land in between those streets is what we refer to as blocks. Okay. What do they call them? I have no idea. Well, most like think about a European city. They don't have like, it's not, I guess I'm trying to transport myself back to London and we walked the streets a lot. And I guess I don't remember there being like breaks in the sidewalk necessarily i don't know i can't really remember that wasn't something i was like when i was taking in the scenery that wasn't something i was taking in yeah maybe that was just someone stupid that i came across on tiktok but or maybe it's not a term that they use i don't know um okay so forgive my naivete Uh here yeah um why and maybe you're gonna get into this yes but fires as a result of earthquakes why because like you're gonna get into it she's nodding okay because i guess i just explain Please. Literally my next sentence. Get ready. (laughs) Most of the fires were caused by rupture. Literally the next sentence. All right. Most of the fires were caused by ruptured gas mains, but some were caused by something much, much stupider. Oh. Untrained firefighters thought it smart to utilize dynamite to clear structural damage and demolish buildings that were too far gone to save. And yeah, they caused more fires because they didn't know what they were freaking doing. Oh, and on top of all that, the city's fire chief was actually killed by the initial quake. So I have to assume it's safe to call the reaction of the fire department a literal and figurative dumpster fire. (laughs) Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. It's estimated that 350 million or close to 8 billion in today's economy in damage was claimed after the quake. And nearly 80% of the city was destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah. Like, not 80% of the city was affected. No. Destroyed. Actually destroyed. So now I'm going to get into kind of the aftermath of 
the and the impact like culturally or mm-hmm. on the city itself. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, there was no immediate relief or infrastructure in place to aid residents. So it's estimated that nearly 300,000 people were left homeless after the earthquake and fires. So remember, it was 400,000 in the city. So that means literally three-fourths of the city was homeless. Oh, my God. Homeless camps were set up in Golden Gate Park and the Presidio, some of which remained there for over two years. Mm. The army quickly built over 5,720 square foot relief houses for the displaced people. I'm trying to imagine living 720 square feet. Especially coming from some of these homes that we see in San Francisco, like the ones that I just saw in those pictures. Multiple floors, multiple levels. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So these houses were rented out to people for $2 a month until rebuilding was completed. Mm-hmm. The 11 camps were, where these houses were built had a peak population of over 16,000. <gasps> but by 1907, most of the residents had moved out. Okay. That's pretty impressive. That yeah, that quickly. Many of these people were able to you know, get back on their feet a yeah. year later. The houses were eventually reused as like garages or storage spaces and shops. Mm-hmm. Most have been destroyed now, but a small number survived. One most recently being purchased in 2006. Forget this. Over $600,000. Oh, my God. I'm not sure if it's due to like the historical significance or if that's just normal San Francisco housing prices. <laughs> that's how much you would get 720 square feet right now. Yeah. yeah. Like a shack that was built by the army. A hundred years ago. A hundred years ago. Yeah. Six hundred thousand dollars. Do you have any idea where that uh where it is remaining one is? No. Is it in a museum or no, hmm. I'll I'll we'll have to look into that. Yeah. Surprisingly, at least to me, despite the devastation of the disaster and all the complications of relief and rebuilding and insurance, which mm. oh boy, we will get into shortly. Oh, According to multiple sources, people were in good spirits. Oh, wow. William James, a Stanford psychologist, stated that he was most impressed with the attitude of the survivors and the speed with which they created order out of chaos. Wow. Maybe it helps that, like, literally everyone is in the exact same situation. I mean, they're not all in the exact same situation. What's the phrase? Um, like, they all went through the same shit. Maybe But not- maybe their circumstances made... Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. They're all in, in under the same circumstances, but some people experience more devastation than others yeah. did. But I think it probably did help that like you have this commonality, mm-hmm. this disaster that you all suffered at the same time. Yeah. So H.G. Wells, who had just arrived in New York on his first visit to the U.S. the day this happened. Oh, my God. He heard about the earthquake and then he said that he was struck by the, quote, can do attitude stating it does not seem to have affected anyone with a sense of irreparable disaster. There is no doubt anywhere that San Francisco can be rebuilt larger, better and soon. Oh, I really like that. Yeah, that's nice. But why? Like, why was everybody so cheery? cheery? Well, I don't know that cheery was the right word, but just in can do can do attitude. Yeah. As mentioned before, property losses from the disaster were insane. But at the time, business leaders and politicians were strongly downplaying the effects of the earthquake, fearing the loss of outside investment in the city would cripple its recovery. I was anticipating that. Yeah. Yeah. Then California Governor George Pardee emphasized the need to rebuild quickly. He said, and this is word for word, this is not the first time that San Francisco has been destroyed by fire. I've not the slightest doubt that the city by the Golden Gate will be speedily rebuilt and will almost before we know it resume her former great activity. Do you notice anything? 
He didn't mention an earthquake actually happened. Okay, yes. Yeah, it's been destroyed by fire before, but like no no reference whatsoever to this earthquake that was felt across the entire state. Yeah, no. I I think a lot of the, quote, can-do attitude and belief that San Francisco would overcome and become an even bigger and better city came straight from the mouths of politicians and businessmen who needed that to be true in order to survive and for their business to survive. In today's terms, that's called gaslighting. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps thanks to this overinflated, happy, can-do attitude, it did. It mm. worked. Streets were rebuilt wider. A subway under Market Street was installed. Fisherman's Wharf was rebuilt in a more people-friendly manner, very similar to how it is today. Interesting. I've been to Fisherman's Wharf many a time. Many a time. Countless times. I couldn't even tell you how many times I've gone. Chinese immigrants moved quickly into the area that once was where City Hall and the Hall of Records stood, and they established what we know today as Chinatown. Interesting. This allowed them to claim residency and citizenship and then sponsor their relatives from China, finding a backdoor to the Chinese Exclusion Act at the mm-hmm. time. Because they just like said they like literally like planted a flag where in the rubble and were like, this is where I live now. Interesting. I, I, at least that's what I got from my research. Mm-hmm. The city was unofficially rezoned, making it easier for businesses to build where residential zones used to be, all thanks to the earthquake leveling the city and creating a blank slate. Wow. So the city we know today is not what it was. And to be honest, it was getting to the point where everything was residential. So businesses were having a hard time finding a spot to have a business. So this like rezoned everything. The richer groups started moving more out and up onto like the hills Uh of San Francisco. And that left more room for like Chinatown to kind of take root. And like the business district took root. This is so fascinating. And I think it's it it's it started the expansion of the city, too, because what we know now is like the downtown district. um, That was San Francisco, right? That was the city. And so because of this, because everything was ruined in that Uh area, people started kind of expanding outwards, going on to more of those sloped streets that Uh you you picture now when you think of San Francisco. Um, And then so that that kind of central area became more of the business district. That is fascinating. Yeah. Wow. So I want you to guess how long it took all of this rebuilding to occur. Okay. Seriously, guess. Well, hmm. Hmm. let's see. With the historical perception that I have, I would typically say literal decades, Mm -hmm. but you keep implying that it happened quickly. Mm. Let's go with 10 years. You're right on the (gasps) nose. Nine nine years. (gasps) So... All of this kind of like rezoning and they they considered themselves fully rebuilt by 1915. So only nine years later. That is amazing because to be honest, there's been a target that's been trying to open up and outgrow for actually four years. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's like, is that where they like built the the. Are you talking about There's the mall? Yes, Elk I'm thinking Grove, of the mall. Elk Grove has what is now called the Ghost Mall. Yeah. Because it's this huge plot of land. And they started actually building like the walls. Yes. Just, like nothing interior, and just it's, concrete yeah. walls. It's been sitting like that for actually, believe it or not, A 10 decade. years now. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember in high school they, is when they started building it. It's now being uh, turned into a casino, which is supposed to be up by the end of next year, which is actually very close to where I live. And I'm excited for uh, tax-free girls. buffets. Oh, I was 
gonna say girls night of gambling and drinking i was thinking of buffets buffets but i mean yes with tax-free buffets see what i'm saying yeah (laughs) okay you see what i'm saying yeah but yeah no exactly like elk grove has been trying to build a mall for more than 10 years yeah and it just ended up falling flat never happened Mm -hmm. that's fascinating now before i wrap this episode up we have to address the effects this earthquake had on insurance Mm -hmm. and the economy an insurance industry source tallies insured losses at 235 million the equivalent to 6.69 billion in today's economy and that's just in insurance claims right or claims that were actually paid out Mm -hmm. at the time most people's homes and businesses were not insured against earthquakes which is shocking to hear as a modern day californian i think it's actually required now when you purchase a home you have to have earthquake insurance and there's yeah i'm yes there's like areas of um California where like you have to have flood insurance yeah, over here like because we, we uh-huh. live within like a mile of the levee we have yeah. to have flood insurance yeah fascinating yeah some reports speculate that people were actually purposefully setting fire to their damaged homes after the earthquake since that was the only way they felt they thought they could collect insurance on the damage mm. there that's kind of unsubstantiated there's no proof of that mm-hmm. that I could find 20 insurance companies eventually went went bankrupt after the earthquake even after excluding claims of shake damage that's what they were calling it Uh back then unsurprisingly global discussion arose concerning the san francisco earthquake and the affected insurance companies mostly complaining that the insurance companies should not have to cover shake damage or Mm -hmm. fires caused by shake damage in future earthquake scenarios and basically just saying like they should be able to leave their insured survivors without support or money to rebuild Mm. But in 1909, the California Senate enacted the California Standard Form of Fire Insurance Policy, (sighs) which which did not contain any earthquake clause, essentially stating that insurers would have to pay again if another earthquake was followed by fires. Yeah. This led to a bit of an economic panic. And some economists actually trace the panic of 1907 back to the devastation the San Francisco earthquake had on the insurance industry. Wow. It also eventually led to insurers having separate policies for earthquake insurance. (laughs) (laughs) And that is what sounds familiar to me. Yes. Interesting. To close out this episode, I thought it would be cool to look at some actual footage, like video footage of the aftermath and destruction of the earthquake. I found this footage on YouTube contributed by the California Historical Society. And most of the videos played over some truly sappy piano music, but I figured we could watch it, Rachel, and then maybe at the end we'll describe everything for our listeners. Do you have tissues? Yes. Would you like some? (laughs) I don't know. It depends on how sad this music is. What we were talking about as we were watching the video is just that it is it becomes a lot more real when you're watching actual footage of it versus just looking at some black and white pictures or just talking about it reading it from a textbook Mm -hmm. um that was really eerie in a really sad way and i mean just the total devastation and people are just standing around and we kind of were almost laughing about that like all these people just standing around doing nothing but like what do you do you don't have a home you Mm -hmm. have nowhere to go and then i did see in that footage the makings of those like camps for the displaced people and mm-hmm. man that was really sad to yeah see that. that was a perfect description because i wanted to finish up everything and watch this at the end because i know i 
am guilty often of glossing over the more emotional or real side of history that happened before like videos or cameras because it's it's hard to imagine it's hard to picture myself there or put myself in the shoes of the people who lived through these things with no visuals like video or at the very least photos so i often look at it like more clinically and yeah. less emotionally and I hope everyone knows that even though we come at a lot of our episodes and topics with a comical perspective, this one included, we do not want to downplay the human suffering that was caused by this or any other historical event. So I highly encourage you to check out this footage. We'll, we'll link it. And just generally when learning about history, just try to like take a second and remember the people that lived through it. Put on your empathy hat and give a moment of recognition to the brave folks who had to live through these things we now crack jokes about. <laughs> that was beautifully said. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. All sources used to put together this episode will be available on our website at hashtaghistory-pod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use, share about us with your family and your friends, and then give us a rating review. Mm. All of the pictures we discussed in this episode will be shared to our Instagram, so be sure to check us out on there. Instagram is really our main hub for mm -hmm. outreach, I'd say. Definitely. We do occasional live streams, which we haven't done in a while, but we will soon. We share our cocktail recipes, we post behind the scene videos and photos and so much more. So seriously, go follow us on there. Our Insta handle is at hashtag history underscore podcast be our insta friend please and then also come join us over on patreon where again for as little as a dollar a month you can help support our books and booze supply you also get access to some exclusive behind the scenes content and we mail you cards and stickers yes we sure do we sure do thank you thank you bye bye we're all in the same Ocean. That's the phrase. <laughs> so, more, more so. More. So, I will go ahead and mention. I'll, I will go ahead and mention. Okay, we're that doesn't rusty. make sense. We're rusty. It's we're fine. so <laughs> That doesn't make sense. We shouldn't be rusty because we did 700 podcasts this week. You are. I'm having a hard time. Did I can smell, smell the cake. cake. <laughs> <laughs> For any newcomer. Cumbers. Cumber buns? <laughs> my eyes hurt already. <laughs> We're on page two. Oh my god. Okay. For any newcomers. Cumbers. <laughs> what is happening? Hold on. Oh, just I just a took a bite. <laughs> just finish it. <laughs> just keep biting. Don't spit it back up. I love that that was just human nature. Like, all right. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> well to be fair i also have tried it yeah so no okay we'll just <laughs> display our acting skills right now oh my god that was so great <laughs> it wasn't it was like as it touched your tongue you're like <laughs> <laughs> what if i had made you spit it back out i mean i would spit have. It into a tissue right now no i want to know no. it was going to be insulting i want to yeah. know I, I just was this is no reflection of you i literally was thinking like what animals eat like oh like a pig 
Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, they eat literal slop, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, don't I'll take, take that personally. No. Just, no. I was just trying to but make a reference. But that's actually pretty accurate, I would say, to my eating habits as well. <laughs> Actual slop. <laughs> if you put food in front of me, I don't really care what it is. I don't. Truly. I have to burp again. Okay. I think it's just eating. <laughs> Oh, is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> All this should be exiting your body, but it's not. No, it just tastes. Or it's the fact that I inhaled it. I think we took down the same amount. I don't think that's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, maybe not. Okay. <sighs> that was very <laughs> stressful. <laughs> There's too much stuff coming out of the sky. <laughs> Why is there an actual cloud behind him? <laughs> <laughs>